This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com. Hello, hello, hello. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber, and we have a fantastic episode for you today with Kai Jones and Todd Jones. Kai is an athlete. Um, he's now working at TGR. Todd is co-CEO of TGR, and we have a fantastic conversation about all things TGR related, uh, media related in the outdoor space, how kind of how Todd started the whole thing. Now, Kai getting more involved in the business a little bit and also like having a hugely successful young career right off the rip pretty much. And I asked Kai kind of how that has been going and what that experience has been like. And, and I'm, yeah, I, I had a great time with this episode. We also get to hear what Kai thinks are the best GoPro angles to use period. Uh, and I actually have been wanting to ask someone this for a long time. And I think there's nobody, per, no better person to ask than Kai Jones. So, uh, I hope you enjoy it. Tell a friend to tell a friend as usual. Uh, I hope this finds you well. Before we jump into the episode, a few things to talk about. One, we have a brand new show launching in the next few weeks with a new host and a new member of the Out of Collective. Michelle Parker is joining us, and I couldn't be more excited to have her on board. She's going to have her own show um, on Tuesdays a couple times a month, and like I said, I am thrilled. She brings a lot to the table here. Obviously, tons of experience as an athlete, um, as somebody in this space for a very long time at a very high level, and she's honestly just one of my favorite people that I've had on the show and, and that I get to work with. So now... I'm psyched that we get to work together. I'm psyched that this gets to develop into something really cool. Uh, so Care Less, Do More is dropping the first week of October. And I'm excited to share this with everybody. And I know Michelle is too. And I'm sure we'll hear more from her as we get closer and closer to this. And uh, we'll have an official launch. But I wanted to talk about it before it comes out. Because I think people that listen to the show get to hear it first. And it's uh, it's going to be really good. I'm psyched. I, I don't know how many times I can say that without it sounding ridiculously redundant. But... It's going to be a very unique style podcast. It's not just going to be more of the same. She She's bringing a very, very cool perspective to this whole thing. So thanks once again to Michelle. I'm, I'm thrilled. And I hope everybody enjoys the show as much as I know I do and I will. And it's, uh, it's great. So anyway, thanks once again. Before we jump into the episode, we have to pay for the lights to be on in here and for us to keep doing what we're doing and our friends at drink simple have helped us do that uh drink simple is a wonderful wonderful maple based maple water i feel like i don't need to say maple based if it's maple water but um electrolytes no added sugar sweeteners plant-powered nutrients uh it's actually really really good it sounds a little fun like it sounds like oh like maple water like what is that it, it's Tastes mapley, but it's it's actually like really really good. Um, so check this stuff out. It's also GMO, gluten free, and dairy free. Um, I'm like, yeah, I'm super high on this stuff. Not like you know, you know what I mean. The it's been uh, it, it's really weird. You start to see people more and more using a product that you weren't even necessarily familiar with once you hear about it. And now I see it everywhere. Like I see people like in the middle of races, like chugging this stuff post race, people like searching this stuff out um, because it's actually a great recovery drink. So uh, go to drinksimple.com, get yourself some 
drink simple, whether it's the sparkling maple water or the regular, the original, um, get yourself some. We have a promo code. It's just out of bounds uh, to save 15% off on drinksimple.com. But you can also buy it at Whole Foods now. So check out Drink Simple and get it wherever it's sold. Cool. Uh, next up, we have our friends at Gravity Grabber. Gravity Grabber is Ethan's favorite sponsor. Point blank. He doesn't care about skis. He doesn't care about clothing. He doesn't care about food. He doesn't care about anything that we sell. That's not true. He cares about everything. But Gravity Grabber is his number one. And it's his number one because he's a big organization nerd. And Gravity Grabbers fixed all of that. All the mess, all the skis that were just laying everywhere in the background. Gravity Grabber has like, (laughs) everything is so organized now. It actually gives me a headache because I'm not organized. But it's beautiful to look at. Like it's actually, it's insane how well organized this place is now. So if you have a garage, you have kids, you have a bunch of skis kicking around. Gravity Grabber is a cheap, efficient solution to just storing everything in your life. Look, it even holds bicycle pumps. This person's got it like next to their curtains. This is, yeah, it's insane. So even if you have a small space, make the most of that space. Gravity Grabber, Gravity Grabber, Gravity Grabber. You can use promo code out of bounds for 20% off at gravitygrabber.com. Thank you very much. And uh, here's our episode with Todd and Kai Jones. Um, first of all, gentlemen, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Tell people who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, my name is Kai Jones. Uh, I'm a free skier, and uh, we just had a really awesome winter, and we're stoked to tell you guys about what we got up to. And my name is Todd Jones. I'm a co-founder of Teton Gravity Research. Uh, my son is Kai, who's now an <laughs> a athlete in our films. And yeah, I've been doing this for 28 years now. It's a while. 28 years is not a short amount of time. Um, how's it been? So let, like, let's, let's kind of talk about the growth of TGR in that 28 year span. Like what is, what has that been like? Is this what you expected at this point? Um, and I guess, did you expect to be working so closely with your son? Like, was that, was that a thought in your mind? Like this is, it's a very, it's a very interesting dynamic. Like it doesn't happen very much in sports. It definitely doesn't happen very much in skiing. No, for sure. I mean, there, there's two, two, two big meaty questions right there um, that do eventually coincide. But I mean, as far as, uh, you know, TGR goes, I think, you know, 28 years ago, we started the company in 1995, released the continuum in 1996. And, you know, we were we were ski bones in Jackson Hole, and we just saw an opportunity to make uh, to make films that weren't being made in the industry and represent this the free skiing side of the sport in a way that no one was covering it. And at the time, uh, me and my brother and a couple guys were we were heli guiding up in Alaska for Doug Coombs. We would go out on commercial fishing boats and. We ended up um, buying an old uh, Vietnam era RFLEX 16 millimeter camera and set out to make our first uh, film, The Continuum, which was very well received. It's now in the U.S. Ski and Snowboard Hall of Fame as kind of a revolutionary film at the time. And 
you know, from there, I mean, it's been almost three decades. So there's been quite a, quite a um, variation of ebbs and flows in, in, in the business. And, but we always wanted to have, um, you know, a brand. We wanted to be more than a company that was making ski movies. And, you know, so, I mean, since then, we've probably made 50 films we've done various different documentaries i think as of late we've been doing some stuff with hbo but you know along the way we've had a number of television series done commercial work um you know it's really been a pretty pretty wild dynamic ride along that along the way yeah um and you know, as far as uh, did I ever imagine working with my son? Well, when we started TGR, I didn't have a son. So <laughs> that was never really part of the master plan. And uh, and then I think, you know, f- you know, just in the nature of of what we do, just out free skiing and shredding around. Um, and now that we had iPhones, I just was shoot- shooting kind of iPhones and I was always super interested in and hitting cliffs and di- different tricks and pushing things and and so I think you know it, it was it was never really a, a part of a master plan but it ha- happened to be about five winters ago we were out one day and there was a red camera and um you know someone had said hey we should maybe think about doing a seg with Kai in the film and so we went out and we were out in the Jackson Hole backcountry, and I just remember Kai hitting this cliff and and skiing up to the camera and saying, "Can I watch that shot?" And we fist bumped and we looked at the shot, and it was really sweet. And I kind of had a at that point had a you know wave of revelation come over me, going, "Wow, this is this is so wild being out in the field with my son. It wasn't even an idea when we started TGR." And, now here he is skiing up and fist bumping and we're out in the back country working together. And so it was, you know, definitely kind of a, a dream come true. Yeah. It's been kind of an insane progression over the past five or six years, I guess. Right. Like this is, this is crazy. Kai, you have a huge platform now, especially being, not just being on TGR films and being in them and, and kind of having that platform to your advantage, but you have your own platform now that, a lot of people at your age wouldn't necessarily know what to do with. So how do you handle it? How do you handle just, I don't know, being you as a regular, like as a regular human, not as a skier, just on the day to day. Yeah. Well, for me, like I start, I mean, I started skiing just to have fun and it's always been about having fun and being in the mountains. And I guess like everything kind of sort of progressed and, took its own self and uh it's definitely like pretty crazy having such a big following and stuff and i'm so thankful for all of my fans and stuff i wouldn't be able to do it without it and uh it brings me so much stoke and energy and inspires me so much to push myself and stuff and in the end i just don't take it for granted and uh make sure to be thankful for uh having my following and stuff and uh, having the opportunities i've had and i think it's just uh been something that I've grown up with and it's become became sort of normal at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I guess one of the things I really wanted to touch on with you guys is how, how you manage the father son relationship. Um, <laughs> because it's gotta be a little weird working together, but it's also gotta be a re- like, I guess backtracking a little bit. I 
run a ski shop with my father and I, I know what my relationship is like with him and working in different shops and trying to make a business work and all that kind of stuff. And my father drives me insane, like on a regular basis. So I kind of want to know what it's like for you, you guys and your dynamic when it comes to switching from professionals to just being father and son. You want to start? Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. We like ever since, like from a young age, uh, we you'd always take me out in the mountains and stuff and go skiing. So we've always had fun like that, and uh, that's how it all started, just going out and skiing. And now it's became like sort of a bigger operation, and there's like kind of like uh, my dad out in the field, like running everything and making sure everything's running smoothly with safety and all the camera angles and stuff. And then there's just us hanging out at the house and having fun and hanging on the back porch and watching the sunset. So uh, I'd say it's both, but I don't think we ever get like annoyed of each other at all. And uh, we've grown to become like best friends and uh, I'm super glad I get to experience those things out in the mountains and just living in normal life. So, yeah. I mean, I, and I guess I would say it, it's a, uh it's not as difficult as a dynamic as you would think because we've just been hanging out ever since I was, you know, a wee toddler and, and really this, or the whole relationship and cause like, you know, coming into TGR has been, been pretty, pretty fluid and natural. And, you know, obviously for, for me, when we're in the field and we're in, in uh, heavy terrain and, you know, I've had a lot of just safety background and experience. And so, so I definitely have a, a little bit of focus on Kai um, more so than other athletes, like making sure just checking in with him, like, Hey, what are you seeing? What are you thinking? Um, looking for him to back off stuff, making sure his, you know, his mind seems clear from a, from a, from a dad perspective and that he's on point and, and knows what he wants to do. And, you know, a lot of it's just kind of, kind of coaching, answering a lot of questions. Um, you know, there's, there's, it, it, I, I think it's pretty fluid, honestly. It, it hasn't, um, I think we, it's, it's been, it's been so intertwined for, for so long now that um, it just kind of, it just kind of rolls, you know, and it's kind of a constant uh, mentorship and, and Kai's really self-motivated. So, you know, he kind of runs a lot of his, his own program and as a dad i'm just trying to support him and then when he comes into the tgr dynamic um just trying to make sure he understands how the program works to respect the system respect the athletes he's working with respect the film team and and go with the process you know and, and in in what we do in the mountains with all the you know conditions and hazards and complexities of getting this kind of footage there's mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes into it and he's a very young kid and i'm have a lot of experience in it so i just try and like pass that wisdom on to him and you know tell him patience be, be patient wait for the right time and and so i think that's you know a lot of the a lot of the way that it works between us okay cool um you mentioned safety a couple times there can you talk to me a little bit from your perspective, how much the emphasis on safety has changed throughout your career? Because I think now the industry has done a really good job at pushing that envelope of people being safer in the backcountry, people being more just being cautious of what they're doing. 
more than I've seen in years prior. Um, so can you kind of talk to me about what, what the differences are that you're seeing over the course of time and how you approach it from the film and production side of it too, right? Like what emphasis you guys put on safety? For, for sure. I mean, I would say, you know, those, those early years in the, in the, you know, mid nineties, early two thousands, um, safety was always part of the equation. Um, you know, we were, as I said, prior to starting TGR, we were heli guides. So, so we had a lot of safety background, but we were also young and we were pushing the envelope and we were getting in over our heads and, and making mistakes. And, and fortunately, <laughs> We, we survived through those early days of that. But, you know, it was quite, quite some time ago we started, um, we started a TGR safety program called IPRW, which is something that we do annually um, in early December. And we bring the whole team together, all the athletes, all the production people, anyone who's going to be in the field. And it's probably not unlike like guide training training or ski patrol training. We go over, um, you know, avalanche rescue. We do a lot of beacon drills. We do a lot of uh, simulated uh, scenarios where someone's injured and we got to treat them with first aid and we got to get them out of the backcountry. And we do research for uh, various different, um, uh, you know, whether it's medical or, or researching on Abbey every, every number of years. So we, we have a, a, a super intense focus on safety and training. And then how we translate that to the field is also a big part of that whole thing. And it's, it's, so there's, there's definitely um, a lot of protocols of, of when we push the, when, when the athletes are, are kind of cleared to tee off and when we push the boundaries and we're looking for, um, good, really good signs from the mountains and not getting any of the five red flags. And when we, you know, we do start to see red flags, whether it's like, oh, there's a lot of new avalanches or stuff, we're seeing wind-loaded stuff and we're cutting pockets out on, on ski cuts, we, we really wind things back. And, you know, the days that we're getting the film shots and the big lines, they're very far and few between. And they typically come at a time when we've been working with the mountains closely and intimately and, and getting positive feedback from them and not seeing negative results as far as avalanche conditions go. And, and so it's a, you know, it's just a constant process, um, constant open lines of communication, a willingness to walk away and not get footage because it was too dangerous that day. And it's, you know, I mean, you're like for something bad to go happen, to, for something bad to happen, it's, I mean, that mistake can occur in, you know, a tenth of a second. And so you can never prevent that. But we try to be pretty conservative and have a pretty standard process that we just continue to repeat and repeat and repeat. And I think that that, that keeps, uh, situation and, and incidents is down and but you're never going to control the mountains so that's something that everyone has to be constantly aware of yeah and I think people saw that with like the Nick McNutt accident last year and that was a big part of what you guys pushed at, at TGR was like okay that <laughs> this is a big deal or like that it feels like that was pushed all over the place 
and it kind of became a bigger issue because of obviously the beacon safety aspect of it. But that was such a red flag to people, I think, that this is a real deal. Like we need to check like all of our Avi gear and we need to be educated before we go into the mountains because clearly that was a planned day, not a ton of Avi danger and, and something like that just happened, right? Um, so that, that kind of puts that alarm up for people to, to actually be a little more cautious. Right. And I mean, it's, it's obviously a horrible situation, but I think it got promoted in, in a way that was like promoted is maybe the wrong word, but I think it got pushed in a way that actually helped people realize how important safety in the backcountry is. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, that was a, that was definitely a, a you know, a unique incident because that, that. Uh, pillow was, you know, sympathetically tri- triggered that basically, you know, became um, the snow event that that put McNutt into those trees that that caused that beacon failure. Um, and you know, I mean, that the recovery was miraculous for sure. You know, I I, I say um, we got really lucky there, but I've also always said that um, luck. Is when, prepara- uh, is when preparation meets opportunity. And I think that all the training and all the preparation that we do as a team really helped in that, in that successful recovery. Um, you know, and that beacon failure was, uh, you know, was what it was, right? But, but I think something I've noticed more and more recently uh, that, I, that I'm excited about, that I see in the general backcountry user community is people doing proper beacon checks before they go at the end, uh, you know, at, at the trailhead. And I think the beacon stations at a lot of boundaries, um, whether it's a trailhead or a, or a side country gate, um, I think that triggers that, that thought. But I've also just seen <clears throat> the general backcountry community become more and more aware. That being said, I still see a lot of um, – stuff in the Jackson Hole side country where I see people without backpacks and um, I'm, you know, assuming they don't have any safety gear, just rip, ripping out, out the side country gates and not realizing that it's every bit as dangerous as being, you know, 10 miles out in, in the Tetons away from, you know, any kind of ski resort. But, but yeah, I think there's a, <clears throat> a general overall safety awareness in our community these days that's, it's getting better and better. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Um, Kai, how do you feel about it? I mean, you, you tell me, like, you see stuff like this happen. How does it make you feel, right? Because you hear people push safety, 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 and then you see it come into play and it actually make a difference, like, especially filmed. How do you feel about stuff like that? Yeah, it's, it's definitely real. It's definitely really scary. And I think uh, that's one of the hardest parts about being a skier is – dealing with the fears that come with it. And I'm really thankful that TGR has pushed that so hard. Uh, as long as I've been in the TGR film program, we've been doing the IPRW classes and they're so helpful and it's right at the beginning of the season. So you get the preparation, you get the training and you get refreshed on your equipment and uh, you're going into season ready and prepared. And uh, I've always noticed that when we're going out in the backcountry, we're going with the right people. We make sure to have safety if it's necessary and, everybody on the film crew and the athletes is trained and prepared because of the TGR process. So I think that's something really cool. And I think that's, uh, 
what has saved, uh, like McNutt in that case, like everybody there was trained and dialed on their stuff. So as much as they had that lucky recovery, it was when the preparation that they made um, all came together and they ended up saving McNutt. Yeah, and there's, you know, it's not it's not always fun when someone's about to throw down some something radical to like to pause the the operation and go, hey, what's the safety plan here? <clears throat> who can get who can get to this incident as it occurs? And you know, sometimes that we have to go and and set someone up high, or we decide oh that we could get there on a on a snow machine, and that we have a person who's like ready to roll and gears ready. And so, so it's, there, there's a lot of that, that, you know, you don't always see in the film, but that is going, going on behind the scenes. And it's, I think it's a really important part of the program. Yeah, no, I'd agree. And I, I think we talk a lot about safety on this show too, with athletes and people like yourself. Like, I, I just think that it's important to kind of keep pushing that envelope because it's one that still has some stigma to it. Like people will go out, like you said, they'll go out in the side country and ski really sketchy terrain and not think anything of it and not think about their own safety. It doesn't put that red flag up on everybody's head, especially I think your general user when they're very, very casual at going in the backcountry, they don't necessarily think, Oh, this one time I really need to have my gear or even know that that gear exists. Right. They go on a, especially Jackson Hole, it's like a hub for this kind of thing to happen almost because it's such an iconic ski destination that people just fly in, this is my ski weekend, and they want to send it as hard as they possibly can for that three days that they're there or whatever, right? It's, uh, it's, a, very, it's a very interesting thing to kind of see all of that line up. For sure. And, you know, we, I mean, we're... There's the classic uh, Jeremy Jones quote, you know, the older I get, the older I like my snow. Yeah. And, uh, we, you know, we tend to, um, you know, it's very typical for Jackson and not, and, and a lot of places for uh, December, January, even into February for a very like multi-layer problem snowpack, a confused snowpack, hasn't worked it out. You ha- are not only dealing with, the new snow, but there's the five foot, you know, buried layer. Like I personally, I really don't like that five foot buried layer. And so going out into big terrain in uh, early January, when there's like a multi-layer problem, we tend to back down more and more from that in this, this uh, day and age and, and keep things low angle and more, jump oriented and, and pow oriented and, and try and, and really mini golf and, and try and let those problems mitigate to when you're, you know, you're waking up and you're looking at um, a new snow um, situation and a new snow avalanche situation. You can, um, you know, you, you can, if you have a good window where that snow stays good, you can play with that day one, day two, day three, you can kind of, uh, work your way up into terrain. Terrain progression is a huge, huge part of what we do. And so, um, you know, at that point, you can gain confidence in the bonding between the new snow and the and the old snow layer. And so, a lot of what we do is trying to trying to keep it simple and trying to terrain progress and trying to feel confident that the that we're we're there on the right days to do the kind of things we want to do. Yeah, yeah. So. How, and this is the last thing I'll ask on safety, I guess, for now, how do you, at TGR, promote 
that aspect of safety and and just being careful in the backcountry to the end consumer, right? Like to the people who are watching the films, to the people who are actually like engaging with the content online, right? And even like personally, Kai, for you, when you're out there, I, I think people see all these images, especially on like Instagram and Twitter and whatever. People have this idea that like they could just go out and ski the sickest lines and just go do it, which, it, and I think we all know it's not the reality. Like you kind of just explained, Todd. Yeah. Uh, what what do you guys do when it comes to pushing it to the audience? Yeah, well, I think like that's one of the most important things. And as a backcountry skier with a uh, uh, good size following, I think it's really important to push that out and uh, really broaden the um, safety aspect of backcountry skiing to all the people that do follow me because it does make a difference as long as you're getting to the right people and teaching them the right things. And from TGR, who has a huge following, uh, I think they do a great job in pushing that with um, like different series and stuff about safety and throwing it in the film. And um, I think it, it's always been a huge thing for them. And uh, you can probably touch more on that, but um, I think that's something that has separated TGR from other brands is they push the safety envelope and uh, really just try to help the general public because um, in the end, what we're doing here is uh, trying to spread the stoke of skiing, but uh, doing it in a safe manner. Yeah, and I'll just add, you know, a number of things we, we do is so when we're doing our annual uh, December training, uh, we have um, media people there from our team that are covering it and we're pushing out, this is what the athletes, this is what the production this is what TGR does to train. So we do that in early December. And then in January, we have a very, four, and, and that stuff goes out across all of our channels, showing us actually training, putting in the work. And then in January, we have safety week. And that is uh, when we're pushing out um, how-to content and various different stuff that's consumer facing. So people can actually like click on content, consume it, learn something from it, get inspired to learn more. And beyond that, you know, we um, just support, like we support the, the uh, Bridger Teton Avalanche. Um, um, uh, we, we, we promote them. We've always made all of our Avalanche footage available to the, to the broader Avalanche um, community to any of the, 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 uh, um, you know, the local chapters that are, that are doing the reports and pushing safety out or doing seminars or early season, trying to get our footage in their quiver so they can use it to teach people. So it, it's, I think it's just super important to, to put that out there and provide those resources and show that other side of things. Yeah. Yeah. I very much, I very much agree. Um, and then I guess, like in, you know, in the, in the, instance of the McNutt um, scenario, making sure that like we pushed that out there and that there was a conversation around that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I talked to Nick like almost immediately after that clip came out, that like preview came out and obviously super, still super shaken up, angry, all this stuff. But what I thought was really impressive was the way that you guys kind of framed it for everybody. I thought the way that the content ended up being delivered was as educational as it could be. And like very real life. Like it was very, the way that it all was like actually captured was insane to me that everything was like on film. And then the way it all lined up, audio was available. Like that's that preparation too, to be able to put that out in the world and make people realize like, cause that went pretty viral last year when it came out and, 
obviously everybody online kind of was talking about it. That that's a level of preparation just on the media side that I think is is insane and shows a level of responsibility to kind of you know documenting the whole process. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a scary clip, but that was the goal, you know, because it was yeah. a scary situation. So we wanted to put it out there real and and uh, you know kind of show what a scenario like that might be like to 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 be in and to be you know so a, a lot of you know i think the gopros um being on were, were really kind of what allowed that uh that that stuff to be there and, and and you know and there was a lot of black in that clip just you know which is kind of what it's like in that scenario unfortunate experience of knowing that so so yeah it ended up you know, and, and, and everyone's mic'd up. So we had all that audio, like that stuff's just rolling. It's not like we're like, Hey, get ready. We got to, you know, turn the mics on before we go do the, <laughs> the thing was just kind of in motion already as right. part of the film program. So as we like pulled that all together, we're like, Oh wow. The, you know, the, the story and the feel of what actually occurred in these, you know, short, but critical five minutes is all sitting right there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I thought that was great, um, at least from an education, obviously terrifying, but great from an educational standpoint, for sure. Um, Kai, can I ask you what the job of skiing has been like versus just going and skiing? What has that, that split been like for you? Um, I would say there, like, really hasn't been a split. I mean, ever, ever since I was younger, I've been pushing myself skiing and like I was saying earlier, like skiing's always just been about fun for me. And like with this day and age, uh, so much stuff evolves around technology. So going out and getting on the ski hill and being out in the mountains has been like a place for me to uh, have my freedom and uh, kind of separate from like reality almost. And um, I don't think skiing ever will or ever has been a job for me. It's just all all been fun like uh and i think that's important to keep it that way but i would just say you know you train <laughs> a lot he wakes up and trains every morning and he's tramping and and like i think that you you have your own goals that you're working towards whether yeah. those are like but those are just personal goals yeah. or that's or just like, indefinite to like where i want to take my skiing and what i know i can do so it I doesn't feel like ever been, I, yeah i wouldn't I would call it a job. I think that's just uh, me putting in the preparation and putting in the training so I can be the best skier that I can be for myself. Yeah. I love that answer. I think, I think that's great. I wish more people looked at skiing that way, like where they're just going out there and they're just having a good time, but it's always seemed very authentic coming from you. And I think every interview that I listened to rolling up into this was like pretty much say the same thing is like skiing is about having fun and I have a good time. And that's the whole point, right? Like that's, if you're not doing it for the fun, then, what is the point? Yeah, I think you know that's that's one of the things I definitely push on him the most. I'm like, don't don't let this turn into a job. If it's not fun, slow it down. Do something else. Don't worry about this thing or you know this this potential film thing tomorrow. Like, just keep it fun because that that is the most critical thing that I I want to as a dad. Give, give him in life, you know, because my parents turned me onto the mountains and obviously it impacted my life in such a positive way that, you know, I wanted to spend my life in the mountains. And, and so, 
I just, you know, yeah. it's super important to keep it that way. Yeah. And then, you know what they say, like, find something you love doing and make a living doing it. And I think mm-hmm. I've been really inspired by seeing what my dad's done. And it's so cool to uh, see what TGR has become and stuff. And it really inspires me to just don't take life too seriously and live every day to the fullest and have fun no matter what you're doing. Yeah. I love, I love that. I love everything about it. Um, and I let's, let's actually talk about TGR as a brand for both of you guys really quick. Like the HBO series, all of the things that happen within the outdoor industry and within skiing, you guys are as mainstream as it gets when it comes to skiing while still somehow being cool. Like while the general public still like wants to attach themselves to you. Usually when things go that mainstream, they lose some level of legitimacy within the community, but you guys haven't. So how, how did you make that happen? How is that? What has that been like? (laughs) Yeah, I I will just say that's really (laughs) funny that you brought it up. I I was kind of just like looking at like, I, after the HBO series came out, I was like, that is just, it's so crazy and so surreal. And like, uh, just being in the local community, TGR stayed the same and the love for the company stayed the same in the community and they're going like so big. I, I just thought it was so cool. You brought that question up. Cause I was like, how, how is it like that? Like, <laughs> I don't get it either. Crazy. I really don't get it either. That's why I'm asking. I mean, I, I, you know, we, <laughs> Like, look, we we were part of like the action sports community before it was even called action sports. Um, you know, we filmed on the first X Games. We consulted the, on the Gravity Games. Like, we've been there from the beginning, and so like our job, you know, our initial mission was to was to represent these sports and these athletes and these feats, and to take these things and show the world like that these people and these things that they're doing are every bit as badass as stick and ball sports as football and and major league baseball and hockey and all these different sports and so like that mission has never faltered so like our desire to to continue to showcase that and to showcase how epic it is and 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 how challenging it is and how um incredibly talented these people are like that that's never changed you know and then and something that has evolved and changed is like you know when we started there was no big stories you know there was like you couldn't do tony hawk's documentary you couldn't do andy iron's documentary everything was in its infancy and so now you know almost three decades later like so much has taken place in action sports that there's there's all these deeper stories that can be told. And that was, you know, us diving into, well, I think with, with uh, you know, hire about my brother, Jeremy, and, you know, telling his backstory and how he came to be like, it wasn't time to do that when we started DGR. Right. And, and, you know, Andy Iron's story, like that, you know, tra- tragic, you know, his tragic death and, and then the, uh, you know, sort of un packing of what that was all about and what his life was about like those kind of things are now readily available in this space and and i think just in general the category of of action outdoor adventure has become more and more popular um so you know with with hbo and with edge of the earth which is the new hbo series um 
you know, there's, there's just so much going on in the space and there's more uh, interest in it. Therefore, there's uh, people willing to, you know, fund con you know, high-end content around that. And so, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, an absolute dream for me, like, to work for HBO and with HBO. I mean, I think that they're, uh, the, you know, the gold standard in, in uh, filmmaking and documentary filmmaking. So, uh, you know, it's such a dream, but the goal with all of that is to continue to represent the sports and the athletes and the feats in a very true way, but in certain instances, maybe make it, um, presented in a way that the general public can understand. This episode is brought to you by Darn Tough. Darn Tough is uh, the absolute best in socks, period, point blank. As of this recording, I have been wearing these socks for 30 plus days on my feet and they still do not smell. I tried to get Ethan to smell them earlier. He would not, but I swear they do not smell. And I am a huge, huge fan of socks that you can wear multiple times over. And just run into the ground. I've literally done an activity every single day for 30 days, worn the same socks all day, every day to benefit High Fives Foundation, obviously. But they don't smell. They don't look like they're worn. They look like new. It's it's insane. Now, am I recommending you wear them for 30 to 55 days, depending on where I am in this contract when you listen or this uh, this contest when you listen to this? No, I'm not recommending that. But you could because this stuff is as good as it possibly gets. In case you're curious, I'm wearing the Men's Hiker Micro Crew in midweight. But there are a bunch of options, and as we get closer to ski season, there is no doubt that this is the best ski sock that is out there right now, and that's what you should have on your foot, okay? Because only the best for you. Uh, so once again, go to darntuff.com and uh, get yourself some new socks. Cool? If you know that sound, good on you, because that is the sound of a berry box from Mammoth. Okay, it's the best beacon that you can buy point blank. End of story. No questions asked. It is the best beacon product that you can buy on the mountain on in skiing. Like it's it's just the best. I don't know how to say that any differently. It's the gold standard uh, and you can get the gold standard, which is very rare at 25 percent off using promo code out of bounds. Twenty five at mammoth.com. You can also buy yourself on like the full avalanche kit, which includes a. Barry Vox, it includes a probe, and it includes a shovel. You also can go ahead and buy a new shell, new pants, whatever you want. Just use promo code out of bounds, capital O, capital O, capital B, 25, at memoot.com. Yes, they did make the code a little more complicated, but it's capital O, capital O, capital B, 25. And I'll remind you that our friends at TGR also rely on Memoot for all of their safety needs. Okay. Back to the episode. Yeah. It's an interesting perspective. I, I wouldn't have even thought about it like that, about things being in their infancy when this started, because I guess you don't really realize, like I'm, I'm 27, right? So to me, you guys have been doing this longer than I've been alive. So all of these stories have kind of been building throughout my existence. So I, I haven't even thought about it in a way that was like, oh yeah, this, these stories are being told about things that happened around the time that I was even, that I was born. Right. And around the time that like the two thousands, this is all new, like all this content and all this development and all these things growing into huge platforms is, is just kind of happening over the last decade or so. Yeah, no, it's, uh, 
I mean, it's, yeah, it's super cool. And I think that it's, again, it's like, it's, for us, it's always been about representing the, the sports and the, and the, and the space and, and what people are doing. And, and so, you know, I, I find it funny that like you, you say, how do you still keep it core or keep it, you know, um, because for me, it's, that's never really been a, um, there's never been a desire to chase some BS and to chase money and to, and to sell out. It's always been about doing what we do and making our world and our community and, and that the entirety of, you know, the action sports and outdoor space, uh, bigger and just, you know, tell cooler stories in it and, and, you know, just be, be stewards of, of representing that and, and using our craft as it evolves to, to, to bring that to people and to share, you know, all the incredible stuff that exists within the space. Yeah. And I, so I actually wasn't going to ask this question anymore because you kind of, you do sound so passionate about it still, but I'm still, I'm still going to ask it. What, how do you not get burnt out after doing it this long? And do you find yourself like getting to the point where you're like, okay, the business aspect of it. Cause I, I think the skiing aspect of it is one thing, right. Where it's like, you can just make it about fun for, for forever. Right. And I think people have made careers about of just making it a good time for them, but the business aspect of it is what drives people insane sometimes. So how do you, yeah. how do you not get burnt out on that end of things? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, for one, we, uh, you know, I'm supported by, uh, an incredible team around me that, uh, that d deals with a lot of the, you know, we, we have a bunch of people dealing with a lot of the various different business components, um, and they're amazing. And that, that certainly helps, but, you know, my brother, Steve and I are still co-CEOs. So we're still deeply rooted in everything that goes on from a business standpoint. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, we're not classically trained businessmen. It's not something that is the funnest part. Um, you know, any business in the outdoor industry is definitely a labor of love and, and, you know, we're, we're not buying and selling stocks and getting rich overnight. It's just been a constant, constant grind to, to progress. So that, so that part is stressful. Um, you know, but my, my day to day is, it varies, you know, there's times when I'm, I'm in the office running a very like normal office life. And there's other times when I'm out directing a film and I'm out in the field and that's, you know, something that I deeply, deeply love and it's super challenging and that I feel like I've, I've you know, become pretty knowledgeable at, at over, over the course of my career. And so like when I'm out there doing that and pushing that, it's extremely uh, immersive and extremely rewarding. Uh, and so, you know, working on stuff like the HBO Edge of the Earth project, which is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, there's a lot more production. There's a lot more team. There's a lot more story going on. I mean, that, that's intense. And I get a ton of reward out of that. And watching something release on HBO is super rewarding. It, it's also equally cool coming home and grabbing a film camera and walking into the backcountry with my son and Tim Durchy and who you know and some athletes and just going out and capturing epic action footage. And so it's like it's the balance of different different projects and different things I think that keeps it super exciting to me. And I just feel 
blessed to even still be able to do this and and you know that you can't i never take it for granted so i guess like the there's no, there's not even close to like a burnout factor for me it's more of like oh my god i get to do this again for another day and and it's always just super grateful that that my life has led to that these opportunities that's that's amazing. I think that that actually will probably motivate a lot of people that are trying to make it in the outdoor space because a lot you're right. It is a labor of love for so many people so often and one of the things we talk about a lot is getting paid and trying to figure out how to make a living and trying to figure out how to like pay your bills whether that's working three jobs and going skiing and or working all yeah. summer trying to make it so that you can ski all winter. Like that's such a common thread. Um I think it's hard for people especially when they're on the grind to not get burnt. So I think that'll be really positive for people to hear. Yeah. You know, I mean, I did like in, in a, a slightly overwhelming moment with a lot of things going on a couple of weeks ago, I did I just have this like revelation come over me. I was like, you know, your life will never, it'll never be off. Like I can never turn off <laughs> all the things that we have going on. And, you know, I was like, just kind of took a deep breath and I was like, <laughs> I can handle that. But like, that's just the reality of being, you know, um, a business owner and a CEO and being in the position I am. I'm like, just something you got to suck up and deal with because you'll never turn any of it off. Not, you know, that means you're waking up at three in the morning, Saturday night <laughs> and, you know, the office isn't closed to you. It's, it's wide open and your mind's going to start like having to process through that stuff and, and deal with it. So, you know, that's, that's just kind of the nature of the beast though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so on the theme of questions, I wasn't going to ask you brought up Tim, um, Kai, I know people have probably asked you this question about a million times, but can you talk a little bit about what Tim's influence has been on you? What it's been like having a mentor like him? Um, it's, it's not, uh, very often that people get to have a mentor that's like Tim Durchy. Like that's, that's insane yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um, it, it's been like really awesome. Like, like at first, like Tim was kind of like guiding me and teaching me the ways of uh, being a film athlete, but now we just became like best friends and uh, we have so much fun doing everything from mountain biking to skiing to jumping in the lake and, uh, we're just like, uh, like best friends. And he's like, I like, what is he like 30 something and <laughs> I'm like 15. So, uh, yeah, it's been a pretty like wild experience and, uh, I'm so thankful for everything that Tim has taught me. I wouldn't be where I am today without him. Everything I've learned from, uh, tricks and backcountry knowledge and how to ski lines has been from Tim. And, uh, part of my like mentality about skiing is also from Tim. Like, my mindset of just making skiing about fun and uh, not taking it too seriously. I've learned all of that from Tim and I'm so thankful that I've had like such a cool person to uh, teach me and get to hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean that relationship, especially on screen or on Instagram or on, and even in real life, I'm sure is, is infectious for people to watch. And <laughs> it's really, it makes people like, I think just as much as he probably did for you, you did a lot for him because it changes the way that people look at Tim. It changes Tim from being like this super athlete, this like insane pro skier 
to being that. And then also like this great mentor, like, and this like just cool human being. I think it, it almost normalized yeah. him in a very, in a very unique way. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. Like to see, see Tim and like, he's just the nicest person in the world and everything that you see on screen is real interactions and stuff. And he's just like that guy. He's really fun and energetic and is always ready to have a good time and not take anything too seriously. I love it. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about magic hour. Um, what, what's new? What's the situation? What, like, what can people expect? This is going to come out around the same time that it drops. So, what yeah what's what's new what can people expect yeah well um so uh i i guess i'll start this off and my dad probably has a um cool perspective on it as well but uh we had a really amazing season and even though uh the west didn't get that much snow we uh kept working hard and uh finding snow and uh getting up early and getting to the zones and uh, we call it scratching. We kept scratching all season long. And uh, when the days were there, we were there and ready for them. And um, I'm very thankful for all the cool trips I got to go to Revelstoke. I got to go up to Alaska. And uh, we ended up getting really good footage and uh, had so much fun doing so many different things. And this is something that's been new for me. I started uh, interning at TGR. So I've been uh, working on the ski film from the editing standpoint. Um, all summer long and been working closely with the lead editors and the assistant editors and been racking footage and uh, it's been really cool to like learn the other process of TGR and stuff and uh, I'm really stoked on the footage and the editing on this movie so I think people will be stoked on it. Yeah Todd do you have anything to add to that? Yeah um, I mean we we ended up having a great uh great season of filming some some athletes that haven't been in tgr uh that you'll see this year uh amy jane david simon simon hillis uh, mccray williams um michelle parker and griffin post had a really incredible trip to uh up to alaska to points north heli uh, which you know was some they produced some really insane skiing uh sage and uh sage and ian mcintosh have an incredible segment and there's kind of some pretty funny stuff in there where we uh you know because those guys those guys have remarked when angel collinson retired they're like <laughs> you know it's funny we've been through like multiple stages of people coming in and having a full career and then leaving the sport and then another person doing it. Like we've been around forever. We've been getting old. So, uh, so we did some pretty funny stuff with them as uh, we turned them into old men and, and, <laughs> and have a pretty cool uh, uh, through line with, with them in the film that I think, I think the audience will really love that brings sort of the, you know, the, the youthfulness and, and funness of what this is all about to, to the screen. So, you know, a lot, a lot of really cool stuff um, that, that I think people will be psyched about. Yeah. Michelle's actually mentioned to me a couple times now how psyched she is on the segment with her and Griffin and like what, what that was like. Um, so I've heard good things obviously already. Um, Kai, let me ask you what, what has it been like on the editorial side, like looking at things from the back end, 
what kind of perspective have you brought to that? And what have you just seen being in that position? Because it's, I mean, obviously it's very different than being in front of the camera. Um, so yeah. what, what's that feeling like? Well, it's, it's been super cool. I've uh, learned so much about like the industry and like I was saying, the processes that go into making a ski film. And I think it uh, has made me more grateful for uh, everything that goes into making uh, our video parts every single year. So um, it's been cool for me to see that. And I've also like learned some things that I can do that can make it easy for the editors, like formatting my GoPro card after we're done skiing. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I think it's just ultimately been a good learning experience. And uh, ultimately it's been like a, good way for me to like keep expressing my creativity and stuff and uh staying stoked on like my passion for skiing during the like dry summer months and stuff so uh I kind of still feel like I'm in the in the ski season like coming in here and editing and stuff so it's been cool for me to see that and I've uh got so much inspiration from that and I'm excited to like go into next season with this new inspiration and this new creativity and I'm really excited for that and ultimately why I started to like do my internship because I love like the film processes and stuff. So um, it's definitely a really cool thing and I love doing it. I love watching ski footage and stuff. And uh, from like when I was a lot younger, what inspired me to um, progress my skiing was watching um, all like <laughs> people in the TGR movies shred. So it's pretty cool to be able to just watch that footage for a job. <laughs> yeah no for sure yeah and i Go yeah ahead. it's uh you know kai has gotten really good at just like editing his own stuff on for social media and instagram and so it's been cool for me to you know have him come in as the low man and kind of pick up the footage from from the the point where it gets off the camera and there's an incredible amount of detail and organization that goes into that to get it to the point where we can hand it to the to the big editors of the film so you know that's all kai's been on the very you know um low end bottom side of that <laughs> of that rung but i think it's a really cool way to like to learn the process and to see it from there and um and see everything that actually goes into when he skis a line to what it, what it takes to not only get it to an editor uh, or not, not only take to get it in a film, but to just even get it to the editors to start cutting the film with. So that's kind of, he's been in that, that pre giving it to the editor space, which is pretty cool. I love that. How's it feel to be on the low rung? Of oh, I love it. <laughs> Got to keep working my way up. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. So, Couple hard questions for each of you individually, and then I'll let you guys get out of here. Kai, I'm going to start with you if that's all right. Um, oh, yeah. This is a question I think everybody that listens to the show and every skier uh, with a GoPro wants to know the answer to. Best angles for POV GoPro footage. Um, let's let's just kind of dive into that because I think everybody has some shitty GoPro footage in their life, and I think a lot of us would like to improve upon that. So talk to me a little bit about the angles. Yeah, so um, <laughs> this is actually a really good question. Um, I, I'm a big fan of just like the classic uh, POV footage and GoPro has like an extra long mount. So there's like the normal one that's stacked pretty low on the helmet and there's one that's like 
an inch off the helmet. So I like that one a lot because with the like wide angle on, you can like see the POV perspective. And I think for people, it's really cool to see and it's intriguing. But like getting creative, I think my favorite mount that I've ever done uh, is the spinning 360 video. So mm. uh, when GoPro was making my Welcome to the Team video, we did this like crazy camera contraption where they had like this helicopter stick mount with two GoPros on the end. And then uh, we attached it to the top of my helmet and spun it and it had like, it produced some of like the craziest footage. So I think uh, that is the, the best GoPro angle you can possibly get. It's <laughs> definitely a bit of a trek to get that with the pole and mounting it and getting the spindle, uh, but it's super cool. And uh, for anybody that's willing to um, go for it, it'll be worth it in the end. But I think I would just add that I think that, you know, the GoPro, it's, it's so small that it can become such yes. a versatile camera and, and, you know, don't just use it as a POV. Like we put it on a stick, like put it on oh, a stick, yeah. hand it to your friend, even, yeah, just have them follow you like standing on the side of a jump or doing little pushes into things or doing follow cams and, you know, just to me, play with it because it's a really powerful weapon it's tiny you don't have to add any weight essentially yeah. or, or bulk to your to your kit and you have this just massive 5k weapon yeah i guess i would actually like to restate my question i would <laughs> say that there isn't the best gopro angle you should just be creative with it and you can literally do anything the possibilities are endless i put it on my tip i've done the helicopter 360 i've held like a 30 foot long stick <laughs> like all, literally you can do anything like the most versatile camera in the yeah world, uh, so. and yeah yeah to add to that is like don't always think of it as a point of view camera it's a real yeah cinematic film camera you that you have too. so so use it in all those different ways yeah, you talk about an innovation in technology that's kind of changed the film game and changed you know yeah. skiing in general or outdoor sports in general like that thing is still such an underrated tool for people um, that just want to go skiing and even just want to take pictures, right? Like, especially if you don't want to have your phone on you all the time, obviously you should have some communication, but I think it's, uh, it's insane to me how much that thing has changed the game. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, all right, Todd, hard question for you. Um, other than TGR, is there a production or a media house that you look to and you're like, okay, this is really good content and this is stuff that we can kind of take things from and that you enjoy from the consumer end? Yeah. I mean, good question. You know, like just from the pure consumer end, I love, you know, I love Hollywood feature films and going to the theater. I'm thankful we can go, go to the theater now. It's interesting having that taken away, but, um, I think in general, I just, you know, I love documentaries. I love documentaries that are about things that I, that I love. And so um, I'd say it's really all my colleagues, really all the, you know, various different production companies that are making stuff, whether it's, um, you know, a core action sports film or an in-depth documentary, I get inspired by seeing all the different ways that, people approach things, you know, like for instance, uh, the Alpinist was a film that I really loved and, um, and where they had this really wild challenge where Mark Andre Leclerc 
didn't want to be filmed and ditched them and went and did some of the most radical stuff. And, and so they broke down the wall and, and brought the filmmate, brought themselves as filmmakers into it. And, you know, I was like, I, I, as a filmmaker, I can really appreciate that. I'm like, wow, you guys were in a pickle and this is how you dealt with it. And that is really cool, you know? Um, and then, you know, just even like in the core space, I really loved Blank's movie last year. And mm. um, there's been a lot of like um, uh, FPV stuff being done and we've done some and, you know, they're the opening scene in their film i thought they did a really cool job with it and i could tell they committed to it and in an environment that wasn't like where a lot of people were using fpv and so you know i was able to appreciate that and i, I appreciate like a lot of times i can see uh as a filmmaker when i'm watching someone's film i can see them taking a risk and doing something and thinking outside of the box and 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 so i inherently appreciate that when i see them pull that off I get totally inspired um to continue to push the boundaries myself so so yeah it's uh you know it's, it's I'm kind of inspired by everyone you know like Dear Rider was a film I really loved mm. and, and a film that could have been approached in so many different ways and I thought that uh Fern and Rose um I thought they they really you know, hit, hit it in a, in a really cool way. So I guess, you know, having been through the challenge of, of telling stories and making films, um, I really appreciate other people's work because I know how hard it is. And when someone nails it, I'm like, wow, that's insane. River Runner was another one that Rush Sturgis made where it was like, watch that and I was like, he nailed it. And, and I, then there's reasons why I think he nailed it. In his case, it was the master interview. So, so I'm just able to really kind of see what they're dealing with, kind of um, intuitively understand the challenges they were facing and how they overcame them. And, and I, you know, it gets, gets me fired up. Yeah, I guess it's it's funny because there's so much more content out there now, especially when you talk documentaries and like there's a new one that kind of hits every few weeks or every month, it feels like. So when you get that that one that's really produced well and, and like you said, kind of thinks outside the box and is produced a little differently, I think it's very it's it's clear to a lot of people that there's like that special sauce that people always search for. Even though there's so much great content out there, somehow that stuff still stands alone. For sure. Um, all right, boys, I'm going to let you get out of here. Um, yeah, I'm late to a meeting, but okay, uh, good. Let's, uh, yeah, this is good timing then. Um, where can people find Magic Hour when it drops? Where can people find you guys? And this is your, uh, this is your plug. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, I'll, he's, you can find Kai at, uh, on Instagram at Kai Jonesky. I'm TGR Todd Jones on Instagram, <laughs> but uh, Magic Hour is uh, you can you can it's touring all around the world. You can go to uh, tour.tetongravity.com and find a tour stop. Uh, the trailer's live on YouTube right now. If you search Teton Gravity Research Magic Hour trailer, it'll come up on YouTube, and you can check it out. Uh, the film will release in October on uh, all various different streaming and digital download platforms. 
uh, basically anywhere you can you can find. But you know, probably the best thing to do is is uh, is to go onto our website tetongravity.com, find a showing, and uh, you know, and come experience it live. A lot of the shows have athletes at it. It's a lot of the the winter. Uh, you know, crowd coming out to gather together that may not have seen each other since since the end of winter, and they're they're really fun and vibrant shows. So yeah, and I will say, uh, just like stoked for everyone to see what we were up to. A lot of work goes in behind the scenes, is what I've learned. So uh, we're all stoked on this film, and a lot of people worked really hard on it. So uh, we're stoked to see how it's paying off, and uh, hopefully we'll see you guys at the shows. Love it. Guys, thank you.